It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sasha Kelly and welcome to The Dive, the podcast that asks, whoever said that business news needs to be all business? We love our controversial questions here at The Dive, so here's a good one to kick off this Friday. What's the best animated film ever made? For me, it's always going to be Toy Story. You cannot top it. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. But if you reframe the question as, what's the most popular animated film of all time? You've got a myriad of options to choose from. There's Frozen, Finding Nemo, Aladdin, The Lion King. But now there is one name that tops them all. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Let's go! Yahoo! It's not been a critical success. There's been some really scathing reviews. But that hasn't stopped the film being a juggernaut. It took in 377 million US dollars in its opening weekend in cinemas. And it broke the opening weekend record for two separate categories of films. And that's video game adaptions, beating Warcraft's $210 million. And animated films, beating Frozen 2's $358 million. So now, in 2023, two of the biggest hits on the screen are based on video game IP. There was The Last of Us, and now Mario. Nintendo, the owner of the Mario IP, is making a concerted effort to expand from just video games to all sorts of entertainment. They're modelling their next steps in the footsteps of another media giant, Disney. It's Friday, the 21st of April, and today I want to know, what is Nintendo doing to further monetize its intellectual property? To talk about this today, I'm joined by probably one of the best equipped people in the office to talk about this because I'm certainly not. It's Darcy Cordell. Darcy, welcome to The Dive. Thanks, Sasha. I did grow up playing Game Boy, Nintendo games all my childhood, Pokemon, Super Mario Brothers. I love it. Yeah, it's such a nostalgia hit, isn't it? Look, the film has broken all sorts of records and it will certainly become one of the most successful video game adaption movie releases of all time. But despite that, critics on Rotten Tomatoes have given it pretty scathing review. It's got an average score of 56%, yet the audience score is 96%. Darcy, tell me, why is there such a big discrepancy? And are you one of the audience members who's given it 10 out of 10? Yeah, you said it yourself, (laughs) Sasha. Mario Brothers, it brings so much nostalgia with it. Since the game was released in 1983 by Nintendo, there's been a whole generation of people like me born around then until the early 2000s who grew up either playing the game or being aware of it. Exit polls at the cinemas in the US showed that 59% of the audience was male and 45% of those were between 18 and 34 years old. So it's iconic with this relatively young audience. 
And that becomes even more obvious, Sasha, when you look at the presence the film has had on social media. I know my Twitter and TikTok have been blowing up with hashtags like Super Mario Movie and Super Mario Brothers, and those hashtags have actually accumulated nearly 4 billion views. Viewers have also gathered on Reddit. Mario's subreddit has a community of over 130,000 people and Nintendo's subreddit over 2 million people. Honestly, the numbers that come out of internet communities just astound me. But 2023 has been a great one for the video game industry because I also mentioned Sony PlayStation's The Last of Us was adapted to an HBO miniseries and became Max's most watched show ever in Europe and Latin America beating my favourite, The House of the Dragon, in total viewers. Is this success something that we can expect to continue moving forward? It could definitely be the start of something. If you remember in 2008 when Marvel released Iron Man and the Christopher Nolan directed The Dark Knight, they kind of began this eventual superhero movie deluge. There now seems to be a superhero movie every couple of months and analysts think we could be at the start of something similar for video game adaptions. You're so right because in the 90s, Batman kind of had that like almost cringy campy quality when you think of, you know, the Tim Burton version and George Clooney with the nipples on his um, suit and then it became like a really serious cinematic experience. And so this is notable because Hollywood has had kind of the equivalent with a video game curse. Yeah, for decades there's been this video game curse where attempts to adapt Video games to film have usually been failures with both audience and critics. And that curse actually began with the first ever movie based on a video game. Can you guess what that was, Sasha? All I can think of is Tetris, but I know that's a really recent movie, so I'm totally wrong. I have no idea. Tell me, put me out of my misery, Darcy. So (laughs) it's actually the original Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, wow. And that lost $27 million dollars. But now they're going again and this one is going a lot better. Yeah. Well, well, it seems like the second time has definitely had more positive results. Have there been any other big failures? I love hearing these kind of stories. Yeah, there are plenty of other failures. There's the Far Cry film released in 2008. That got a 12% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and it lost $30 million. A more recent one was Netflix's Resident Evil series, which was an absolute bust and cancelled after a season. It did earn $42 million worldwide, but the show was nearly unrecognisable from the game, which was all about zombies and bioterrorism. Interesting. That one's one that I can visualise the game imagery in my mind. I had no idea there was a Netflix series. Then there's also Halo, one of the most popular games on Xbox for years. That was adapted into a series on Paramount and it wasn't well received by fans, although it did get quite solid viewership. I remember Halo. I never played it myself, but my brother, I think, put hours and hours into that on the Xbox when we were growing up. Look, I think one of the key struggles is what makes a successful video game doesn't necessarily automatically translate to linear storytelling formats. I'm not a gamer, mainly I played The Sims and Lego Racer, but when you're mentioning those big masthead names, there's so much about the experience of being in the game and actually engaging with the storylines, like you're contributing to the direction of these characters. That's right, Sasha. And the success of The Last of Us and the Super Mario Brothers adaptions have shown that when done right, they can really be big business. And it's not just those two that have had success. There's also the recent Sonic the Hedgehog films, which were pretty big box office hits. Why are you hiding out in my garage? 
The Angry Birds movie, that brought in $280 million. I cannot believe that was made into a movie. <laughs> hey, Red, how are you? Oh, I'm horrible. And then Detective Pikachu, which is based on the Pikachu video game, brought in nearly $300 million. That's another one that really surprised me because Pikachu has such an iconic voice. And Ryan Reynolds was Pikachu. It just didn't feel like the right fit for me. Very random, <laughs> Sasha, but I loved it. <laughs> so random. Look, and there's plenty more in development. So obviously these successes have started to show Hollywood that there is a way forward. So is the damn wall breaking for video game adaptions? Are we at the beginning of the S-curve? There are dozens in the making, but it's probably a little too early to call that the curse is over. We've got PlayStation's God of War, which is being produced for Amazon, along with a film version of the Saga Genesis brawler Streets of Rage. There's a brand new live action Assassin's Creed series coming to Netflix. So there's plenty in the works. But again, we haven't seen enough have success to call this curse over. So Darcy, let's take a quick break. But when we get back, I want to zoom in on Nintendo, the company, and ask... Is this going to be the next media powerhouse in the model of Disney? And we're going to play a game. Who is more valuable, Mickey Mouse or Pikachu? We're going to answer that question after the break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to The Dive. Well, when we were researching this topic, I had to reach out to my Nintendo expert, and that is my brother. So I gave him a call. Who are the characters that um, Nintendo owns? Well, I'm pretty sure Nintendo, well, they definitely own Mario, for sure. Yep. They own Metroid Prime. Oh. They own Kirby. Who else do You're they going own? so niche. I was thinking Pokemon, because you were obsessed with Pokemon. Yeah, we pick a So your Prime Nintendo fanboy age, like when you were hit, when you were a kid, Pokemon and Mario would have been like right in your wheelhouse. Would you go see Pokemon movies if they managed to do what Marvel has done with superhero franchises? I've got a lot of thoughts on Pokemon games. They're like some of the best games ever. Like the first few iterations, people will just buy the games no matter what. Like they're going to have to break some serious trust for them ever to not buy a Pokemon game. They have to get it right. That's how you're feeling about it. It depends how they did it, but if they were to market the game to my generation, I think it would go absolutely gangbusters. So yeah, they could do something like Marvel easily. They've got the inbuilt audience in like a thematic sense with all the shows Mm. and everyone knows the lore fairly well, like even up until like 30. Mm. Um, And then they could also then do that through the games, obviously. Like, the games almost sort of took it to the next step. The the anime was okay, but it was a kid's show. But the games felt much more adult and much more intense and much better. So, Darcy, does that all resonate with you? 
It certainly does. Your brother nailed it on the head. I will be buying Pokemon games for the rest of my life, <laughs> no matter how old I get. <laughs> they just have so much trust with me. It's so interesting because many analysts are just saying that they're going to capitalise on this trust. And they're looking at the Mario movie as the start of imitating Disney's playbook. What does that actually mean? Well, Disney is one of the most renowned and loved businesses in the world. And that is largely thanks to it being the best at monetizing its intellectual property. Sasha, name any Disney character for me. Yeah, see, Darcy, this is what I'm made for. Can't name all the Pokemon. But, you know, when you've got Disney, you've got all the princesses. You've got Belle, Ariel, Princess Jasmine, uh, Snow White, Cinderella. Like, honestly, the list is endless. (laughs) That's definitely more than one. (laughs) Think of the amount of ways that they monetize those characters. There are comics, there are TV shows with many of those characters. There are movies, there are stage shows. They sell merch. They're everywhere at Disney's theme parks. And this applies to virtually all of their characters. They've even got Disney-themed cruise ships and Disney on ice. So is Nintendo looking to do something similar? Like I'm just imagining Pokemon on ice, like Bowser swinging around. (laughs) Well, every content business looks in admiration to what Disney has done with their IP. And Nintendo does have very strong IP itself. As I've mentioned, I grew up with an unhealthy obsession with Pokemon and Nintendo owns that IP. They've got a Pokemon TV show, which has been running since 1997. And that still goes today, although the main character, Ash Ketchum, has just retired after 26 years of trying to catch them all. Did he catch them all? I actually haven't seen the last episode. I might watch that later. Darcy. (laughs) (laughs) But Nintendo also has Pokemon Go, which had a big phase back in 2016. There are films. So they're absolutely trying to do something similar to Disney and they are having success. You didn't answer my question. There isn't necessarily Pokemon on ice, but they certainly have branched out and done some different things for the IP. Yeah, absolutely. I want to play a bit of a game with you here, Sasha. Three of the biggest owners of IP in the world are Disney, Nintendo and Warner Brothers Discovery. I want you to pick which character you think is the most valuable and we'll have three rounds, okay? Okay. Nintendo's Pikachu versus Disney's Mickey Mouse. I would have said Mickey back in the day, but now definitely Pikachu. You're pretty right there. So Pikachu and the Pokemon franchise, that has brought in over $100 billion revenue to Nintendo. And Mickey Mouse, it's one character, but it has brought in over $80 billion itself. Pretty close, though. It is pretty close. You could take either of those and you'd be a winner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, back both of them. All right, round two. Warner Brothers' Lola Bunny versus Nintendo's Mario. Like Mario, for sure, right? Yeah, you're right here, but the reason I chose Lola Bunny over Bugs Bunny, which I think is much more renowned, was that Lola Bunny reportedly brings in more money than Bugs Bunny per year, and that's $16 million. Wow. But Mario Sasha has brought in about $40 billion since he was created in 1981. (laughs) Exactly. I've seen so many Mario Halloween costumes, never seen a Lola Bunny costume. All right, final round. Disney's Nemo versus Warner Brothers' Scooby-Doo. That's really hard. I think I'm going to go with Scooby-Doo just because he's been around longer. So there's going to be a longer run-up of different opportunities for him to be sold. Nemo, 
a massive juggernaut, but only a recent kind of discovery. Good guess, but Nemo actually just takes the cake. Wow, okay. The Scooby-Doo franchise is worth over a billion dollars, but the Finding Nemo film alone made $940 million for Disney and it went over a billion dollars when Finding Dory, the sequel, was released in 2016. Yeah, and if that's just the films, like the merch must have been massive for those. Yeah. Pretty cute clownfish dolls out there, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. So put them all together, Sasha, which of those three would you choose as a business, Disney, Warner Brothers or Nintendo? Look, I'm going to go with Disney. I don't think this is actually the question, but I'm just more attached to Disney and those Pixar's and a proven business model. There's a lot of runway there. Yeah, I think you're right there. Disney is the largest of them all by over $100 billion. And if you'd bought the stock when it first listed, you'd be up 6,000% all time. Wow. So maybe 6,000% in line for Nintendo. What is next for them? Now that we've seen Mario be a success at the box office, are we going to see my pitch Bowser on ice? Or another suggestion that came through the office, which I would actually seriously pay money for, is a Mario Kart theme park. How awesome would that be? So they already have Super Nintendo Worlds in Japan, (laughs) Hollywood, and they're opening others in Florida, in Singapore in the next couple of years. Nintendo is also planning to open a museum called the Nintendo Gallery in Japan, which is going to exhibit their popular gaming products. But at the moment, video games do remain their core business. The Nintendo Switch platform and all that comes with it makes up about 90% of all Nintendo's revenue. But it is trying to reduce that reliance with its expansion of IP into things like this Super Mario Brothers movie and the growing number of Super Nintendo worlds, which we're going to have to visit. Yeah, Equity Mates team adventure, I think. Overall, <laughs> I think, Sasha, the time of simply being a video game maker is ending. There's so much more you can do now and make it into if you get it right. If you get it right, though, Darcy, I think those are the magic words. There are a long line of failures. And as you said, this video game curse isn't necessarily over yet. But still, fascinating episode. So glad to dig into that one with you today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Sasha. If you've enjoyed the dive, there is one thing that you can do for us that makes all the difference. It's just to open up your podcast player and give us a five-star review. It actually makes all the difference in terms of getting our show in front of different ears. And as a small independent media company, that's what we need, more people listening to us. I'm Sasha Kelly. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.